Welcome to the Rebel and Be Well podcast, hosted by Krista Reimel, registered nurse, founder and CEO of Lifestyle Medicine Retreat Center, The Point Retreats, which is located amidst the woods and waters of northern Minnesota. During her podcast, Krista will interview experienced and successful healthcare professionals on outside-the-box health topics. During their time together, they will have in-depth discussions with trusted medical and health and wellness leaders to discover what they do to stay well using traditional and non-traditional health practices. Experts will share not only what, but why they practice the holistic lifestyle medicine they do and the science that backs their less than mainstream ideas. You'll hear the real and relatable personal health struggles of healthcare providers and what rebelling outside of the traditional healthcare system did to better their lives, careers, and health. Tune in to listen and learn the mind-body-spirit practices from conventional health experts who share hope and inspiration from honest stories of healing while reflecting the scientific-based evidence to wisely guide the inner rebel inside you. It's time to rebel and be well. I would like to welcome Dr. Corey Martin to the Rebel and Be Well podcast. Corey, thank you for taking the time to join us today. I would like to take a moment to introduce you to our audience by giving them a glimpse of you personally and professionally by reading your bio here. Dr. Corey Martin is a Yale-trained family physician driven to change the delivery of healthcare and improve the mental and physical health of our communities. He's a founder of Innovations and Resilience and the Bounce Back Project, practicing private group of physicians, chief medical officer, Bush fellow, and consultant to many healthcare and educational organizations in their response to burnout. Driven to do this work by the loss of two colleagues and friends, Corey strives to create an environment of opportunity in which all of us can do the deep, heartfelt work of changing the way we show up and interact in each other's lives. One of the ways he does this is by facilitating resilience retreats across the United States and throughout the world. He's both a certified Daring Way facilitator and Center for Courage and Renewal facilitator and facilitates workshops based on the work of Brene Brown and Parker Palmer. In his free time, he enjoys working on his farm. He lives in Buffalo, Minnesota with his wife and three daughters, is a recovering perfectionist and aspiring good enoughist. Dr. Corey will be joining us at two retreats in 2021 at the Point Retreats, our April and August continuing medical education retreats focusing on courage and renewal as healthcare professionals rebel and be well. We're happy to announce that M Health Fairview will be sponsoring our AMA CME credits for healthcare professionals. And personally, I'm really looking forward to learning more about Corey today. As I realized after reading his bio, we both have lost a colleague to burnout. Many people don't know that doctors have the highest suicide rate of any profession, and one in four nurses suffers from post-traumatic stress disorder, otherwise known as PTSD. The stress and demands of the profession are real, and Corey has the courage to be open and vulnerable as he leads meaningful conversations with fellow healthcare professionals about the realities they face in their work and life. Corey, thank you for taking the time to be here with me today. And just so our audience knows, not only is he just taking time to be with us, but he's taking time to be with us on his vacation while he's in Guatemala. So I really appreciate you being here with us today. Yeah, thanks, Krista. It's wonderful to be here, and I'm looking forward to our conversation today. Likewise, likewise. Okay, so you have one of the best terms in your bio that I have to ask you about, a good enoughist. 
I love that term. So I would imagine it's taken a little bit of doing and undoing, maybe for, from being a Yale-trained physician, to learn how to be a good enoughist. Krista, I think that many of us in healthcare, the reason we're in healthcare is there's probably a little bit of some perfectionistic tendencies that we have, mm-hmm. um, and that's what got us there. Mm-hmm. And we, we really want to do a good job. You know, some of these, some of those tendencies are really good, but in in reality, you know, as we think about how do we take care of ourselves, how do we show up with a full tank of gas every day, you know, sometimes things are good enough is really damn good, and <laughs> yeah. uh, we have to be okay with that. If we if we perseverate on making everything perfect all the time in in every part of our life, we're going to miss out on our life a lot. That doesn't do justice to who we are or how we show up every day for each other as colleagues or, or our patients. Mm-hmm. Um, and they deserve the best as well as our colleagues and our family at home at the end of the day. I feel like I should say amen to that because that was <laughs> awesome. I haven't wanted to say that word yet so early on in a podcast, but all really important truths. Um, and I'm sure that hasn't always been easy, just given your background. I'm sure you had to kind of learn how to let go of a lot. How have you accomplished that as a physician, you know, not kind of reconciling, like, I can't be perfect at everything. I think it's really difficult. If I were to say it is easy for any of us, I would be absolutely lying and um, feeding you full of crap. I'm not here to do that. So for me, it was something that I didn't know that I needed, but ended up getting to that because when I, when I started practice about 15 years ago, I came into a practice and I wanted to be perfect. I wanted to do everything. I wanted to deliver babies. I wanted to take care of people in the hospital. I wanted to take care of people uh, well in the clinic. And Mm -hmm. one of the things that I felt like I did is I I felt like I did it really well and I had very high standards. And so Mm -hmm. what ended up happening with that though, is I got about five years into practice and I was completely and utterly burned out because Mm -hmm. it was just not a way that any of us can continue to live our whole life. And so Mm I'm five years into my practice as a physician and I'm pissed off Mm -hmm. and angry and frustrated and looking for a different job Hmm. and, um, and maybe not even in healthcare anymore. It really came down to finding another job with a wonderful boss who helped me see some of that burnout, some of that perfectionism that really led me to burnout and, Mm -hmm. and supporting me and giving me tools and helping me build and grow myself as well as then my colleagues and trying to be a leader and mentor for them too. What did that look like for you, Corey, when you kind of said, you know, this is not how I want to be for the remainder of my career. So, you know, instead of going, you know, like I I remember multiple times after I left the hospital, I'd go through the Starbucks drive-through and I'd be like, everyone's so happy there. I just want a job at Starbucks. So kind of, as you said, you know, you're looking for a job somewhere else. What stopped you from doing that and kept you in medicine and, and made you the clinician you are today? I wish I could tell you that I had this amazing, wonderful plan that was this aha moment that it, that it happened. Yeah. And I can say I absolutely had some of those same thoughts as you of like, oh God, why can't I just work a job where I can go to work and when I walk out the door, I turn it off and don't even think about it. Like I have no other responsibilities, nothing else. And, um, you know, that seems pretty enticing along the way when Mm -hmm. we as healthcare providers, you know, we, we go to work, we do a wonderful job, but as much as we like to think that we don't take it home with us, we do. Mm-hmm. I mean, we care about the people we take care of. We care about our colleagues and we take that home with us. And so, you know, for me, it really 
it really was kind of falling into this other position. So what happened is I took a part-time position as a, uh, what's called a director of medical affairs. So it's uh, kind of the head doctor for our hospital. Mm -hmm. And that was a part-time administrative position. You know, at the time, my view of what an administrative position was and what I saw was, wow, like I get to go to meetings, I get to drink coffee, eat some donuts, like <laughs> not really do a whole lot. Maybe, right. you know, maybe it's fun to be in meetings and, and screw up other people's lives, but I don't have to screw up my own, right. uh, you know? And, oh, um, and so, so really it, uh, it was just kind of this, this unreal perception I had of mm-hmm. what it was. And it was mm-hmm. something different than, seeing patients Mm -hmm. for eight, 10, 12 hours a day, five, six days a week. And so, uh, so I jumped at it. And in reality, it was a whole year or two process to really realize what was underlying that for me. Some of my own perfectionism, some of my own frustration, some of not really having the tools, you know, so uh, as we think about us as healthcare providers, frontline mm-hmm. healthcare providers, whether you're a nurse, a pharmacist, a physician, uh, anything, we're trained to do that position. But mm-hmm. there's not a whole lot of leadership training. There's not a whole lot of like, and and how do you take care of yourself? Because mm-hmm. we're so focused on taking care of somebody else, making sure we do the best for them, making sure they don't die, mm-hmm. right? And so we don't tend to focus on ourselves. And it's such a needed part of what we do every day. And we have to learn it on the fly as we go once we get into the job. And so that really, for me, was having a great boss who helped me down that road to learn some of those things and and do some of those things for myself. Thank goodness for great bosses that can also be mentors, right? Because it's tricky, you know, going from being a physician to a leader. I mean, can I ask you really honestly, how much leadership training did you get in medical school? Absolutely zero. Yeah. Right. So, and and actually, I, I, the type of any sort of leadership training that I would have gotten in medical school would have been a sort of indoctrination telling me that, well, you're a doctor, you're better than all these other people. So you're, and you're so much better trained and smarter. So it actually was um, anti-leadership training. Mm, It was mm -hmm. not about coming together. It was not about teamwork. It was really you're the captain of the ship and Mm -hmm. everything comes down to you. So make sure it's done perfectly and done well. Hmm. More of a dictatorship. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) And that's hard. You know, I think so many people and, and my hunch is you've, you've kind of gone through some of these pain points, Corey, is when you go from being a a clinician or a healthcare professional on the front lines in patient care, and then you go on to leadership, there's kind of this odd push and pull that you have to feel your way through of your fellow colleagues going, yes, Corey's in a leadership position. He's going to totally advocate for us. He's going to fix all our problems. Finally, one of us is a leader. And then you get into leadership. And as you mentioned, your eyes are completely open to this whole different world of expectations and demands. And in some ways, it can be more stressful because you want to be that physician that resonates with all your colleagues on the front lines, but you also have to be the physician that like runs the business side of it, which is really hard to sometimes rectify that healthcare is also a business that has to stay open. Can you speak to that? Like how challenging was that for you? Or did you kind of get through that quite quickly? You know, I, I think that's a challenge that is also lifelong of how do you manage that polarity of Patient care and taking care of clinicians is really, really important. And Mm -hmm. obviously the bottom line is important because if there isn't money 
you can't do good stuff. If you don't have good people, you don't have money, right? Mm-hmm. And so it is balancing those things. And I think most people like to think in kind of a black and white uh, world of it's one or the other, and it really isn't. It's mm-hmm. really both and, and trying to figure out how to do that in a way that our colleagues feel supported mm-hmm. as physicians and nurses and everybody else, as well as at the end of the day, making sure that the organization is in the black is, is really important. And so our, our leaders in healthcare have a exceedingly difficult job mm-hmm. and our frontline staff in healthcare has an exceedingly difficult mm-hmm. job. That's in a time when COVID isn't going on. Right. And so throw COVID on top of that. We're in a difficult situation in healthcare and we're in a situation mm-hmm. where if we don't really start focusing on our healthcare providers and our frontline staff and supporting them in a meaningful way, it's going to be disastrous. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of talk out there about how if we don't really start taking care of ourselves and taking care of each other and doing what's right for us and our families that we will see kind of this surge of clinician suicides and mm-hmm. all kinds of stuff about 18 months to two years from now. Mm-hmm. Because right now we're so focused on getting the job done, taking care of stuff, moving through this, and we haven't allowed ourselves to even really feel. Mm-hmm. Uh, because because first of all, we don't want to. Mm-hmm. And second of all, we just don't have time. Mm-hmm. We really have to take the opportunity right now to start looking inwardly, start looking to each other, mm-hmm. to throw each other some life preservers. And, and a lot of times when I give talks in organizations, I talk about how do we treat burnout? And, and burnout treatment is really a, a three-legged stool, one mm-hmm. which is kind of organizational efficiency and make sure I don't have to fill out all this paperwork and do all this stuff. The other one is the culture of the organization. So do mm-hmm. I show up at work? Do I love work? Do I love working with my colleagues? Do we trust each other? Do we support each other? Mm-hmm. And then the third leg is really, do I have the tools to show up every day with a full tank of gas? Mm-hmm. And so that I'm taking care of myself. Now, you go out there and ask any clinician, whether it's a physician or a nurse or a pharmacist or anybody you know, where should we focus our time? They would say, well, make make the organization more efficient. They should be fixing this for us. Why the heck haven't they done this yet? Mm-hmm. And the fact of the matter is, is that's true. Like mm-hmm. our organizations really truly need to get their act together and start doing something important. And if that's what we're going to hang our hat on as clinicians right now, it, it'll be disastrous. It's like saying, okay, the ship is going down and we've got people in the water But if only we'd build a new ship and get that out here, then we would all be saved. Mm -hmm. You know what? Great idea. But how about we throw some life preservers out right now? Mm -hmm. How about we figure out how to take care of ourselves right now before it even gets worse? Yeah. You know, uh, just a few days ago, there was a new Medscape um, research article that came out that showed that for physicians, they, they asked the question, have you had any suicidal ideations in the past year? That number typically hangs around four or 5%. This year, the number was at 13%. So during this last year of COVID and all the other stress that's put on top of us, you know, that idea of of double or more Mm -hmm. of our physician colleagues having suicidal ideations, uh, there's a potential for that to lead to way worse things down the road too. Mm -hmm. It's a really scary statistic. And yet... 
one that we can't kind of continue to bury our head in the sand over anymore, right? You know, when our healers are hurting, we have to stop and pay attention. It really, every time I read the statistic, you know, I think it's one physician per day dies of suicide in the U.S. And that's that's an alarming number of, of deaths. And it's, it's I mean, certainly there's some personal elements that carry into that, but it's a lot of it starts in the professional world, right? And I think it goes back to that, struggling with that mentality of, can I be a good enoughist or do I need to be a perfectionist? Because doctors really are kind of put on this pedestal of you're perfect now. You have the MD, you have the DO, so be perfect. And then you get out into the real world and it's not perfect. Medicine is not perfect. Patients uh, course of treatments don't go perfectly. Families aren't perfect. On and on and on. It's really important that we give physicians space to be vulnerable and honest in those struggles. And I was just with a few ER uh, team members, clinicians, and I could see what you just said. It's like right now they're still we, they are still in this mode of like, go, like, I can't let my guard down right now because we're in an acute phase of a crisis. We got to go. There's like this wall up, right, of not feeling. And at some point we have to flip out of that and process, which is what a physician such as yourself continues to bring to the forefront of needs in healthcare. We can't solve the epic electronic healthcare crisis, <laughs> even though we'd like to, you can, as a physician, give people, yourself, starting with yourself, and then others permission to be human. How has that looked for you? I imagine you had to do some personal work first. So how did you address your own kind of burnout and maybe lack of resilience initially to get to the point where you could then help others on the journey? I think along the way, there were there were many aha moments, maybe that were minor, that were kind of help turn me in that direction. And unfortunately, some of those are big moments too. Some of those are big tragic moments along the way that unfortunately for most of us to make that transition and really do what's needed, it, it ends up being a tragic moment mm -hmm. to shift us there. And so um, really what had happened is about five years ago, so I, I was five years into my role as director of medical affairs at the hospital. Mm -hmm. We were doing some really great work around leadership and team development and really kind of this bonding work between our clinics and our hospital and um, just felt good about stuff. Uh, a couple pretty tragic things happened. One um, was when one of my friends who was an obstetrician in our community mm -hmm. uh, ended up being killed in a motorcycle accident that summer. I, I remember the day well. It was this just beautiful uh, June day and I was a Saturday and uh, my friend Eric had just bought a new motorcycle. Mm -hmm. And so he was going to go out for a ride. I mean, he's had motorcycles for 30 years and was mm -hmm. going to go out uh, for a ride and, and kissed his wife and hugged his daughter and said, you know what, I'll be back this afternoon and we'll go do something as a family and left. And Eric never came home that day. And Eric never came home that day because uh, a golf cart had pulled out in front of him on a, a country road mm. and he ended up running into this golf cart and was, was killed. Mm. And I remember getting the call that night from my clinic president telling me that Eric had been killed that day. And I, I remember that punch to the gut, that mm. feeling of like, holy cow, like this is, 
This is my friend. This is the guy who delivered two of my kids. Mm. This is a guy I just saw on Thursday when I was uh, in the clinic and we were BSing in the back hallway mm. and he w- and he left behind his wife and his four school age kids. Mm. And so for me personally, that really was kind of this time of like, oh my gosh, this could happen to any one of us, mm-hmm. right? You know, am I living the life I want to live or am I still frustrated and am I still spending too much time at work and not getting out of here? And I say that I want to spend more time with my family, but I never really get around to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know what the answer was, of course, that's what was going on. And I think for most of us in healthcare, that's typically the answer. And certainly for most of us in Buffalo at the time, that was the answer. And so I think we we really kind of rallied around each other and mm-hmm. tried to do what was right, try to get each other, uh, you know, if we're walking down the back hallway at 5.30 and, and people are still in their office uh, typing on their computer, kind of going like, come on, let's go, mm-hmm. let's get home. Mm-hmm. We want to get home and let's go see our family. And we were pretty good at that for a while, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I think it's like anything, and unless you change some of the underlying circumstances, it, it just draws you back to where you were before. So a month later, we're back, we're back where we were before, mm-hmm. staying late, having to do paperwork, having to do all the kinds of stuff that has always made us late. And then very shortly after that, so three months later, there was a second tragedy. And that was when one of my other uh, colleagues and friends who was a pediatrician in our community took his life in our hospital chapel. Mm. And that was on a Sunday. And I remember clearly getting the call from my my boss, the hospital president saying, Corey, you got to get in there right now. Like you live closest. The rest of us are on the way in, but get in there. And mm-hmm. I remember walking in the ER doors that night and I remember this just look of what the hell just happened here and why are we losing our colleagues and we deal with death and dying all the time right Mm -hmm. but but it um it just we don't deal with death and dying of our friends and our family and Mm -hmm. and it just punched people in the gut Mm -hmm. kind of this whole kind of sense of okay you guys didn't pay attention the first time around three months ago and, mm-hmm. and you better damn well pay attention this time. Mm-hmm. And, and then for me, there was a, there was a kind of a third thing that happened the very next day after that, when I walked over to the hospital to do colonoscopies, cause that's still one of the things clinically, clinically I do. And I walked over there and I walked in the huck. Um, her name is Tanil. She looked at me and she goes, Oh, Corey, I'm so glad you're here today because Yesterday, when I heard that a doc had taken his life in the chapel, I was really scared that it was going to be you. Oh, Corey. I've told that story a thousand times and mm-hmm. it's still like, it still is just right there. You know, but the fact of the matter is, is that that is our life in healthcare. We walk by people every day and go, hmm, hope they're doing okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I it wouldn't surprise me if they were the one that did that. And that's mm-hmm. that's a horrible way to live. And that's mm-hmm. how we live in healthcare because mm-hmm. we are so busy that we don't feel like we have the time to just reach out and talk to people we care about, to sit mm-hmm. down and say, hey, you look sad today. What's going on? Mm-hmm. Right. We just think, well, wouldn't surprise me if they do something like that. Mm-hmm. And that's really, that was the moment for me mm-hmm. that really made it stick. But that was the day. That Mm -hmm. was the moment for Mm -hmm. me that it became different. You know, I can see you as we're talking and I see that the pain even this many years later is still so fresh in your heart and on your mind. And I know that propels the work that you do. And and it is 
this kind of bittersweet tragedy that it took those losses, even though you see him every day as a doctor, it's like you can kind of desensitize yourself to the death of patients. And even those will sometimes create secondary trauma. But then when it's your colleagues, it's like that's staring you right in the face. I'm always in awe of people who kind of at that moment, Corey, you could have gone one of two ways, right? And you took the path to say, I'm going to do the hard work to never show up in front of Tennille and have her think that was me, to be able to go home to my family and be present. And everything in the culture of healthcare very often will tell you to not do that. We have these rallies, like you explained, right, where something tragic happens, and then we rally. But you have rallied and sustained it. So with that, I give you so much accolades for doing that because you're being a mentor to so many healthcare professionals that just really need to hear the reality of it's okay to hurt and it's okay to carry pain and then it's okay to do something different with it. I wish I could say that. So that it's been a five-year path up to this point mm-hmm. and there's been highs and lows to that path and a lot of learnings along the way. And I wish I could say that I'm really good at this now. Mm-hmm. Um, but the one thing I do tell people and I, you know, if I'm going to give a talk or anything on this, I, I have this one slide in there um, and it's a quote and it it's, uh, says, I know these things so well because I violate them so often. Mm. And, um, you know, that's, that's part of like the good and aspiring good enoughist mm-hmm. of like, I'm never going to be perfect at this. And none of us are, we're always going to fall down. We're always going to need to get picked back up and that's okay. Like that's mm-hmm. life. And that's mm-hmm. how we grow. That vulnerability is how we connect with each other mm-hmm. and how we create great, wonderful friendships that are people that we care about for the rest of our life. That's the important stuff at the end of the day. Can you explain a little bit more about what your kind of more, what might be perceived as a non-traditional physician role is right now? As a part of this journey, one of the things that I did about four years ago is um, on my bucket list, I always wanted to walk what's uh, known as the Camino de Santiago. And so mm-hmm. this is a path in northern Spain that is has been a pilgrimage path for thousands of years. And and so it it's become much more well-known as a place that people go to kind of be introspective. Mm-hmm. And it can be religious if you want it to be or not. I went on one of these hikes about four years ago. And it was one of those other life-changing moments that Mm -hmm. as I came back from this journey, really, it was so deep and profound to me that I came back and I talked to my boss at the hospital and I said, you know, I'm going to quit my job, not for any reason other than I need to do what's best for me. And I feel like I want to go down this path of how do we, like, I want to, I want to figure this out for myself and I want to help our colleagues figure this out too. And so I I said, you know, I'll stick around until you find somebody to replace me, but let's start looking. And so I stepped out of that position a little over three years ago and really started doing work focused on healthcare provider burnout and resilience. Mm -hmm. And how do we take better care of ourselves? Part of it is really like, how do I grow myself and how do I do these things for myself? Mm -hmm. And then how can I share them with others in a way that a lot of this stuff, I think, that is really important, gets a bad rap because it seems, quote, fluffy mm-hmm. uh, to people. Or, you know, maybe if you're going to practice self-care, that means you're weak or you, you're lazy or any of those things. And mm-hmm. it, that's totally not the case. And so 
trying to figure out how to bridge that gap from these things that are really important and powerful and actually have some good research behind them Mm -hmm. and put them in ways that we as clinicians can hear it and go, okay, well, that's just, that's more than just, you know, somebody coming in and saying, I should, you know, I should maybe do that because I'll feel good about it. There's actually some research behind all of this stuff and everything that we do to take care of ourselves to show up better and different. And, um, and it's pretty wonderful. You're kind of like this healthcare rebel in your own regard, right? You that day said, I'm not going to be that I'm going to do different than that. Life being short hit you in a different way. Your life hit you in a different way. You take groups all around the world. You know, what do you see happening with people there as you travel with them? I think one of the important things to highlight about this work in healthcare is that it's so countercultural to mm-hmm. what we were all taught. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I tell people a lot that it, when I think back to medical school and residency, there's a reason we're called doc is because it was indoctrination. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were indoctrinated with the, these thoughts of the more you take on mm-hmm. the bigger uh, badge of honor you get, mm-hmm. never say no, pile it on, always be perfect because if you're not perfect, then people are going to suffer. And so it is all about you uh, being the leader of the ship, the head of everything, and it all, all the weight falls on your shoulders. Mm-hmm. And that indoctrination of at a minimum of seven years through medical school and residency really is going to take me and anybody else who wades into this water the rest of our life to undo mm. because it, it really is so unhelpful going down this road of how do we how do we open up? How do we be vulnerable? How do we talk to each other? How do we actually have a friend at work that we're, we can like actually tell what we're feeling and what we're thinking to is a, a way of life and, and the only way that we're going to get out of this uh, smiling and happy. And so mm-hmm. these trips that I do, these retreats that I do, I found over the past several years that a, a really important way for us to start planting seeds in our life uh, mm-hmm. about this is how do we disconnect from our everyday thoughts and mm-hmm. ideas? And so a lot of that means, okay, we got to get away to a different place. Mm-hmm. Right? It's really hard to do these things if you're going to do it in your place of work. So getting away for a week or more to mm-hmm. go on a retreat to really focus on this stuff is really helpful. And, mm-hmm. and what happens over time is people let their guards down. We have 20 people on a retreat. People start talking about their thoughts, their feelings, uh, what's going on. And everybody else in the room goes, holy cow, me too. Mm-hmm. Amen. Right? <laughs> um, but we we come into the world and we come into our retreats thinking, I could possibly only be the only person that's feeling this way. I can't imagine anybody else feels this mm-hmm. way, that anybody else is frustrated, anybody else is burned out because we don't talk about it and mm-hmm. we don't share it. And that's what's been indoctrinated into us. And so thinking about this as rebelling, mm-hmm. being countercultural, to actually take care of ourselves is a better way for us to take care of the patients and take care of each other. Because when we show up angry and frustrated and yeah, guess what? We take that out on patients. We take that out on each other. Right. And if, if we say we're, we're all about what's doing what's best for mm-hmm. patients, not taking care of yourself is not what's best for patients. Mm-hmm. One of the things that pops into my head as we're talking about this is an inflection point in my life as well. And that was, I was facilitating a retreat with a group of physicians 
uh, it's just a day long retreat and they were working on, you know, what's their mission, what's their vision, those kind of things that are up on the wall type yeah. thing when you walk into a clinic and, and everybody had been really talking about, okay, putting the patient first, the patient always comes first, something like that. And I had one doc who you, you could tell it was not, it was, it was kind of grinding on him. Mm-hmm. And so finally he raised his hand and he said, you know what, this is crap. Like Mm -hmm. if we're going to put up on the wall that patients come first all the time, every time I can't do that because I've been doing that for my whole life. And just once I want to be able to say, it doesn't have to happen every day, but just Mm -hmm. once I want to be able to say, you know what? I come first today or my daughter comes first today because Mm -hmm. she has a recital tonight that I need to make it to. Right. And I haven't done that for 20 years. Mm -hmm. And so we need to think about this differently. And I think that's that's a, a really profound way for us in healthcare to think about it because so many times we really go down that road of absolutely patients come first, we're gonna do everything for the patient. And we forget about the most important part of that. Mm-hmm. And that's us and our family and being able to show up with a full tank of gas to take care of the patients. Right. Uh, because when we don't when we don't have a full tank of gas, we don't do a good job. Mm-hmm. We just don't. Those are such like freeing things to say. And I hope they're freeing things for physicians and healthcare professionals to hear. You know, the best parallel I can make to that, Corey, is I've talked to some medical sco- students and I've been presenting and I give them four very challenging patient scenarios. And I say, which one, who do you think is going to be the most challenging patient? And they always kind of usually pick like the quadruple bypass or whatever scenario. And then actually, you know, full well-known flip to the next slide, which says the most difficult patient you'll take care of is you. Mm -hmm. You will be your most difficult patient Um, because you just said it perfectly. Like you're indoctrinated to somehow be like subhuman. You know, you're some superhero in some cape Mm -hmm. and you shouldn't have any human needs. And that doesn't in the end make you a better physician because the physician, at least as a nurse, what I've heard most from patients is they resonate most with the physicians who are the most human, right? Right. The people who get them, they're relatable. Like I understand what you're going through. And it's so tragic that the culture is counterintuitive to that. And I know it's going to take thought leaders like yourself to change that culture and, and Dr. Lowy. And I just commend you for doing that because it's, I think, think the probably the starting point and the end point for a big shift in, in our healthcare system and something we don't talk about enough. The general public doesn't recognize this enough. And if there's ever a time we re- really need to bring this to attention, it's now because what our healthcare professionals have gone through this last year. In that, I love that you're still on this mission to have human interactions. You know, what we're doing at the point in April, I'm going to say I bet this is the first like real live in-person event that M Health Fairview is is recognizing and sponsoring. And I know you have other ventures, which as I look at your website, I'm like, I want to go on that one. I want to go on that one. Can you share, Corey, where people can find you and how they can connect with you on all your various trips that really are, um, you know, specifically looking at kind of the adventure, getting the adventure back in life, leaving your white coat and your stethoscope at home and, you know, getting with a group of like-minded people. Where can they find you? Where can they find these, these healing and healing trips kind of around the world with you? Easiest thing to go to and to remember is bouncetravels.com. That's kind of this 
travel retreat uh, that grew out of the Bounce Back Project. This year, we have three retreats on the calendar, and fingers crossed, we'll be able to do all three. So we have one in Ireland in May, one in uh, walking the Camino de Santiago in, in at the end of June, and then another one that we do every year at the Grand Canyon, Zion, and Bryce Canyons. And so we have those coming up. Uh, another way to find me and my stuff, so I do a lot of speaking within organizations as well. And so that business of mine is called Innovations in Resilience. Mm-hmm. And so it's innovationsinresilience.com. To tell you the truth, I wish I would have named it differently because by the time people figure out how to spell innovations <laughs> in resilience, they're like, oh, right. I'm not sure. Um, but that's, that's the name of it, innovationsinresilience.com. Um, and so that's that's a way to get a hold of me and check out other stuff that's on there. And Well, I think all your adventures look phenomenal. I, I am going to find myself on one one of these days. And until then, I'm really excited for what we have ahead with what you and Dr. Lowy and I are putting together at the Point Retreats. It's, it's going to be fantastic. Fantastic. We're preparing ourselves as leaders um, to really embrace the guests that are going to be coming because we know people are walking in with a lot. It's it's a you know been quite the last you know year and a half for all of us. And what I love is just how real and relatable you are and continue to be in your work. And I think that there's so much healing in and of itself in that. And the wisdom you share, I know you've, you know, you've certainly studied this, you know, beyond anything you ever had to do, both out of personal and professional passion. But um, I'm really excited to learn from you also um, this spring and, you know, new tools in your toolbox, right? Like if you want to sustain yourself as a healthcare professional, you have to pull out some tools and use them on yourself every now and then. If you don't mind, I'm going to kind of wrap up our time here by helping people understand you a little bit more personally also and just ask you some fire round questions here. Where do you go for health information both inside and outside of the box? Your favorite sources? Inside the box I go to up to date and outside the box I tend to ask a few um, trusted colleagues and friends that are a little bit more outside the box as to what they think and, and where to find more great information. Did you try anything new for the first time this past year? Well, I try. <laughs> I think we've all tried this. I've tried to uh, facilitate online retreats and, right. and talks in uh, varying uh, fashions and with varying success. Uh-huh. <laughs> I like the truth. That's a good truth, Bob. Yes. Whoever knew Zoom would become such a crutch in, in this year, right? What would be your favorite way to spend a day? Spending time in Guatemala more than anything else in the whole wide world. And so... Mm-hmm. Uh, being in Antigua, Guatemala, uh, walking around the streets, having a amazing cup of coffee and just looking at the uh, volcanoes that surround it and being in 70 degree weather when it's five degrees in Minnesota, that is the most amazing thing on the face of the earth. What makes you laugh? A lot of things make me laugh. And so I I think uh, humor and, and comedy and stuff is just so important in our life. And so there's just some dumb TV shows that I watch. Letterkenny is one of those. <laughs> if you've ever watched that, it just makes me laugh a lot. It so is very entertaining. I will I second that. I watch a half hour of that every night before I go to bed and just laugh. This or that, a couple quick questions here. Are you an early riser or a night owl? Oh, absolutely. Early riser. Are you? Okay. Oh, yes. 530. 5.30. All right. I've been forewarned. Dine in <laughs> or dine out? Dine out if possible. All right. I'm a horrible cook. 
<laughs> All right. Europe or South America? Oh, Europe. I love Europe and, and all of the history there. Beer, wine, or water? Beer first, wine second, water third. How about that? Funny. <laughs> I had them in that order. I was telepathic. <laughs> all right. So dine out with a beer in Europe. I got it. That seems like a pretty great day. Uh -huh. And be up yeah. early for your hike. Right. <laughs> Got it. All right. Well, thank you, Corey. I really appreciate your time. And, you know, it's just, it's really heartwarming just to see what um, a physician such as yourself has, you know, embraced in your journey as um, a clinician and been so open and honest and willing to share with others, too. I know there's a lot of people out there who could greatly benefit from hearing your story and learning more from you and just, um, you know, looking to you as both a mentor and a coach. So uh, again, you can find Corey at the Point Retreats, and then you can also find him by going to Bounce Back and also Innovations and Resilience. So with that, Corey will be one of the leaders along with Dr. Lowy at two of our retreats at the Point Retreats, both in April and August of 2021. You can find more um, by going to our website, The Point Retreats, and following us on our social media handles, Point Retreats, on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Otherwise, Corey, thank you again for taking time to join us, not just from like five degrees snowy Minnesota, but from your dream vacation in Guatemala. Um, <laughs> I appreciate it very much. So thank you, everyone, for listening today. We hope this time with Corey and I inspires you to find your inner wellness rebel. Take care. Hope you'll tune in for our next podcast with Dr. Carolyn Turkelson. Dr. Carolyn is an integrative primary care physician who practices at the University of Minnesota. She is also co-authoring a book on women's health. Please tune in to learn more. You've been listening to the Rebel and Be Well podcast, hosted by Krista Rimel, registered nurse, founder, and CEO of Lifestyle Medicine Retreat Center, The Point Retreats, which is located amidst the woods and waters of northern Minnesota. If you'd like to ask Krista Rimel, or one of our past or upcoming guests, a question that will be aired on a future show, simply call 612-352-9177 and leave a message. Please know that when you leave a message, it may be used in whole or in part on a future podcast episode. Again, that phone number is 612-352-9177. Please hit subscribe on whatever podcast source you found us on and rate and review our show. We'd love to hear feedback. Rebel and Be Well is recorded at the studios of Minnesota Podcasting located in St. Paul, Minnesota. Find them online at mnpodcasting.com. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the individual participants alone and do not necessarily reflect the views, opinions, or policies of The Point Retreats, Minnesota Podcasting, or any other organization. All medical issues, concerns, diagnoses, medications, and treatments must be managed by your doctor. We do not replace any clinician's medical advice or treatment. Join us next time for Rebel and Be Well.